I won't call this a pipe dream because nothing's impossible, but um, I want to be able to travel around the world while impacting um, LGBT communities and female developers um, with the work I do, making a proper big difference with what I do and not just being someone who works to make companies richer. I want to make people's lives richer. Welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast, a podcast for early stage web developers and the mentors, teachers, and communities that help them along the way. Hey, Kate, and welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so my name is Kate Blake. I'm a very ancient 21 years old, and I have been doing web dev, uh, front-end web dev, for about a year now, just over a year. Um, I'm currently a front-end developer at New Media Labs Services, or NML, as they are known as. Um, and yeah, very happy to be here. Nice. So you know Justin Slack, is that right? Yes, he's technically my boss. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I was in a meeting with him a little earlier today about a non-profit thing we're doing. Um, cool. So, okay, so you've been doing this only for a year. So let's start with that. Um, why? Why did you decide to do this to yourself? <laughs> well, I mean, I've always been into computers and stuff ever since I was a kid. Um, and I always knew, oh, I'm going to, when I grow up, I'll do something with computers, but I never knew what exactly, because I mean, as we both know, IT is like, it's just so wide. <laughs> There's so much stuff out there you can do. Um, and yeah, I think in high school, I was like, hmm, my math marks might not be good enough for like a computer science degree. Um, so then after high school, I took a gap year and I decided to go to a um, college and I got my higher certificate in, it's got a very long name, higher certificate in mobile application and web development. <laughs> and that was about a year. It was pretty good. It, it was teaching me all about mobile development and web dev. And I found I like fell in love with web dev, front end web dev. Um, and yeah, I was looking everywhere for jobs, um, as you know, like getting, bridging that gap between having no experience to getting your first job. That's very difficult. Um, and I was posting all in the ZA Tech Slack. Um, which is a great community. And um, luckily my CV was forwarded to Justin and that's how I got picked up. So yeah, um, that's why I'm here doing web dev, not only because I love it, but because just kind of fell in that way. Life said, okay, this is how it's going to go. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So why did you did you explore other avenues like for example uh back in technology more like 
DevOps kind of thing, um, system admin, that kind of stuff, and just found that front end was more a fit for you? I mean, to be completely honest, I didn't really have the time to delve too deeply into those things. Um, I was looking around, um, while I had my gap year, I was looking around um, for um, courses and stuff, like online courses, just short courses like Udemy or whatever, um, for back end um, and for DevOps and stuff like that. And it was... Yeah, I don't know. I, it it wasn't it wasn't so enjoyable to me. Um, and then when um, there was a front end course, I did that, and I was like, "Oh wow, I really like this." And and it was set. I was like, "Okay, well, I'm do my higher certificate and hope for the best." <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. so in in learning, um, and like you said, you took some time to try and find some resources and stuff like that. Um, how did you find that whole process? Like, did you find it easy to find resources to to use to learn? Uh, was it hard? And if, and irrespective of the answer to that, um, which resources have you found that has been particularly helpful for you? Um, for me, it was it was quite easy to find resources, um, but because um, I mean, the internet is. So vast, you can find anything you want on there um, with the right search term, you know, and the right amount of will. Um, so it was quite easy to find resources. Just the problem I had was one, the more, um, I guess you could say, professional or serious courses or maybe more intermediate courses, they were quite expensive, um, especially for uh, someone who was unemployed or a student um, from South Africa because of the exchange rate. So, <laughs> I mean, it's great. If a site has um, purchase uh, pricing parity or whatever it's called, that that's that's great. Um, but that was the one obstacle price. And the other obstacle was that sometimes courses were quite outdated or um, they would be teaching things that um, people would say was either incorrect or... Um, you just, it's its hard to, since you're a student, you can't know exactly what's right and what's wrong um, because you're learning, you're not the expert here. Um, so you just kind of have to go off what other people say. So um, another part is having to do your research beforehand about the courses you want to take. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a, a struggle. Um the places where I found a lot of resources uh, is YouTube, funnily enough. That's where the most stuff came in through. Um, and thank goodness YouTube is free. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of great, great people out there who spend so much time um, just trying to teach people because they love doing it. They don't do it necessarily just for the money. Um, so, yeah, YouTube was a great resource for me. So um, we'll we'll step back a little bit to getting your first job. But now that you have your first your first job, um, what does the day look like for you as as a junior dev at a company? For me, it's waking up at nine o'clock in the morning, still rubbing the sleep out of my eyes um, to do the stand up in the morning. It takes around ten to fifteen minutes, um, and that's where the whole uh, team. 
my team joins and we say what we did yesterday, uh, what we are planning to do today, um, and just any other um, like tidbits or progress blockers and stuff like that. So it'll be me, um, the designers, and the backend developers and the project manager in that meeting. And then, um, luckily for me, because I'm junior, I don't have too many meetings in the day, which is nice. <laughs> uh, then I will start tracking my time um, in an app called Harvest. Uh, so it's a time tracking app. I'll say, okay, this is what I'm working on right now. And often it will be, it, it, it can vary. It can be either something that should take an hour to fix, or it'll be part of a bigger problem that will take a week to fix or to develop. Um, and then after that, depending on which day of the week it is, I will have a like a retrospective with the team um, talking about all that's happened in the week um, and all that we want to do in the week forward. Um, and maybe I think on Fridays we have, with the whole company, we have like a uh, called weekend or Friday chats. And we just talk quite informally about the week and anything going on with the company at that time. Uh, so, yeah, that's what my day is like. That sounds pretty neat. So do you work uh, from home or do you go into the office? Mm, I primarily work from home. Um but I think I will start going into the office a bit more because the office has uh, moved a bit closer to where I live. So I think I'll do that. But I primarily work from home, which is super nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's one of the, the benefits of um, tech, I guess. But sometimes it can be a negative. And I've heard, I can't remember, I think it's Martin, Martin Moore or somebody like that that I spoke to who mentioned that sometimes for junior developers, that can be more of a curse than a blessing because um, you're new to all of this and you have a lot of questions um, and you kind of do need a bit of hand-holding in the beginning. Like, I mean, even for, for somebody that's been in, in tech, when you join a new company, there's a bunch of stuff that is not just, that's, that has nothing to do with code. You know, it's understanding the company, it's understanding the products, understanding where the company's trying to go and where do you fit into all of this? How do I know that I'm, I'm being effective as, as, as an employee? That How do I know I'm making a contribution? Now, a lot of that can be solved by things like stand-ups and by um, one-on-ones with your manager and these kinds of things. But, you know, during the course of your day, you might hear the thing and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Now you have to ask on Slack or something and... You don't necessarily know when somebody's going to answer. So what do you do in the meantime? Do you wait? Do you? And then, interestingly enough, I spoke to um, somebody else on the podcast a couple of days ago. And but before I go into that, let, let's stick to this one first, and then, then we'll go into that one. So have you found the fact that you are primarily working from home? Have you found that that has introduced some, made some things harder than it, than it necessarily should have been and if do you have any ideas how we can improve that because it feels like remote is the future so to speak mm. yeah i mean to be perfectly honest for me i of course this is just me this is my experience in my company with my employees i mean with my co-workers in the company um 
it hasn't been too bad. Um, I, I'm quite a, what's the word, communicative person. I'm, as soon as there's a problem, I will say, um, you know, hey, I have this thing. I've tried to fix it. It's not really working out. Um, and thankfully, my coworkers and my boss are very, um, also very communicative and responsive. Um, which is, I'm quite lucky to have that. So it hasn't been too bad on that front, but there have been instances where there's been a problem that it's just kind of like out of my, out of my skill that I can't fix. And I have to message my boss or a senior coworker and ask them for help. And they're in meetings all day or they're like very busy and they can't get back to me for at least like possibly half a day or they can only do it the next day um and I have sometimes had to sit there and like twiddle my thumbs and (laughs) it's 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 not easy but thankfully that's very few and far between um and when that happens they say don't worry about it like don't feel stressed about it because it's not it's not the onus isn't on you anymore it's um you've communicated that you have a problem and that you need help with it and it's the incentive is now on someone who's got the ability to fix it. Um, so yeah, um, something else is that I'm quite an introvert, so I don't really mind staying at home all day. Um, that's just me. Uh, if I was an extrovert, maybe it would have been a bit more of a problem, but it's quite fine for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mean the whole thing where extroverts tend to feed off of other people's energy? You don't have that need? Yes. No, 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 no. Quite content sitting at home, having my uh, social meter being filled by online conversations instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, <clears throat> there's something that you said there that I wanted to dig into a little bit more. Oh, um, it does sound like where you're at at the moment that they – they have set themselves up in a way where, you know, there's these different ways that you can talk. It's kind of like open source. So there was this whole thing with the open source LLM models that came out where um, some companies would say, hey, here's an open source LLM. And then people would be like, ah, da, 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 wait, before you say that, let's look at this a bit more carefully. This is not open source. This is open source friendly because open source doesn't have strings attached, right? So you can't say this is an open source LLM, but you can't use it in these circumstances. That's not open source. But then you have somebody like surprisingly meta who's like, here is an open source model and it's licensed under MIT which is like, that is open source. I can use this for anything. Now, similar to that, you get this different concepts around remote. So you get remote friendly, and then you get remote first. Now, it sounds like where you're at is more remote first, which means they're set up for this. And therefore, your working relationship with your coworkers works really well because everybody's bought into the idea that people are remote. So therefore, the communication style, the way you interact with one another suits, suits that. Because I know that, that I've, I've spoken to other people where it has been a problem because the company is primarily office located, but they have some people that are remote. And I think in those situations, oh. it becomes tricky. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. For us, for for um, my company, it's it's about we have offices in Cape Town and uh, Johannesburg, and we there's about I can't say exactly, but in the new Cape Town office, there's about four people on average that go into the office quite regularly, um, and the rest of us, the Cape Town team. I think the larger of the two teams, the Jobo Kepton team, um, are online and remote. So I would agree with you. We are remote first. Um, and I think it's working quite well for a lot of people. Um, and again, for those um, who enjoy being in the office or being around other people while they're working, they can go to the office. Uh, it's quite a central location, so it's good for them. And yeah, it, it works really well. Um, Often uh, there might be someone who has internet connection issues at home or load shedding is happening at their home and their router is dying or something and they have to suddenly move to the office. And it's quite seamless. They'll be there in like half an hour and everything's all set up, ready to go and you wouldn't know there's any difference. So yeah, I think the company has definitely tried to make sure that people are comfortable either working at an office or remotely and there shouldn't be any like um, friction between the two. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So um, I wanted to touch on the AI thing, but I'll push that out a little bit further. Um, Has there been anything surprising about work that, that you, or is it at this point still like kind of sort of what you expected it to be? Um, I'm going to have to think. First thing that comes to mind is it's kind of what I expected it to be. Um, and and that doesn't mean all the positives. It's, there's also some negatives that I was expecting that have rose. Um, sometimes the people that you work with aren't always going to be as communicative as you would like. And you have to start rolling up your sleeves and um, stepping out of the coder headspace and into the, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, I I have to get this thing done. Could you please um, send the requirements and blah, 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 and all of that. So that's, that's one thing that I wasn't, you could say, I didn't study for at school. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, otherwise... It's it's mostly what I expected, yeah. Mm. But I've only been in my first job, so I can't say about other people or other companies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so talking about communication, like somebody, uh, oh, it was um, Jared Santo from The Changelog. Uh, he posted a, a thing on LinkedIn yesterday where he was talking about the importance of communication. And I, I commented on his because I was like, it is the thing that a lot of people who get into tech perhaps don't realize. Um, but without solid communication skills, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard because you'd be surprised how much of your day is taken up by talking about the code that you're going to write as opposed to writing the code. <laughs> 
um, because you need to understand, like you said, the requirements. You need to make sure that you understand how this fits into the larger um, product or the, the project that you're doing for a client, whatever it may be. Um, and then you have to understand if you're understanding it correctly. Uh, and yes. then, you, then you have to kind of think through it. And maybe as a junior developer, perhaps you need to kind of you kind of want to bounce off a more senior person about how you're thinking about approaching this problem. Because, you know, sometimes you can save a lot of time by talking something through with somebody instead of just going and starting to write the code. Because sometimes it might be like, oh, you know what, you don't actually need to worry about that. Or that's that's okay, but remember this and that and this can happen. Or some people might just have nice suggestions. Like, could that just be a function? Um, you know, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And all of that is communication. So yes. what I'm curious about is you seem to be good at it. So why do you think, is it, is it a character trait or is there something specific you've done to improve how you communicate with people? I would say it's, <clears throat> I would say 70% a character trait. And then the remaining 30% is recognizing um, the people around me and the problems that miscommunication or lack of communication has caused. And um, just saying, okay, well, see, at that point, you don't know that it's a communication problem in your head. Um, and you think, okay, no, something's wrong here. What should I do? And then, you know, you take some time to think about it. And what I do is I kind of, I step back sometimes just to get my head out of that space and look at it from, um, I guess you could say bird's eye view or whatever and realize, oh, this could have been solved by asking this person about it or saying, hey, have you noticed this or something? So for me, it's been stepping back. I haven't learned anything specific, but yeah, I like stepping back and looking at the the situation as a whole. So that's what I do. Yeah. So I I'm a big fan of open source. If you don't know that already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, shocker! <laughs> <laughs> what role has open source played in your career so far? Oh, um, very important because it's very easy for me to okay well not very easy but it's accessible for me to find something to work on um that has been started from that i don't have to do from complete scratch and think of all the architecture and all the setting up and all of these kind of many steps that go into having a project um i can look at something and often there will be many issues or um uh deliverables or things that they want to develop, but they either don't have the capacity or whatever. And it's great for a, for a beginning or a junior because you are given a chance to work on something that everyone else can see. Um, so it gives you exposure. Um, it's not hidden away behind some um, proprietary software or whatever, um, or someone doesn't have to be like 20 steps in a in an onboarding process to see the work that you've done um you can just link it and be like here here it is um so that's great about open source um 
and yeah it can be depending on how comfortable you are with your skills open source and contributing to open source it can be something really small and quick to do or just right for your skill level or it can be like something really big and you'll take weeks or you know you never know knows how long to finish it and you'll be proud of yourself either way no matter how big or small you still made a contribution so it's another good thing because it helps with your confidence as well yeah so for me I did the Hacktoberfest and I got to I think I don't know if it's called level three or tier three but um I got to the point where I could plant a tree so that was really cool um, and that was my first step into open source, like seriously. And it was really nice because there's a whole sense of community to it too. Yeah. And there's so many people who can help you and you can make a lot of friends that way as well. So yeah, open source is, yeah, <laughs> it's great. So community, how important has community been in, in your growth as a developer? Ooh, um, essential um vital like super super important um because i got my job through community um i was a student posting my cv on the za tech slack and kind of begging people please like if you know anyone who's got an open offer or just looking for something like please let me know and someone who used to work for my current company saw my CV and forwarded to Justin Slack, which is my boss. And he's also the head of FEDSA, Frontend Development South Africa. Um, and that's, he said, hey, well, we're looking for someone. So, and I had my interview and that's how I ended up getting my job. So if you don't have a community out there to support you when you are, either down or looking for a job or things are just feeling hopeless. You know, communities like ZA Tech are great or Mycelium Network as well, which you've got going. Um, and your, also your podcast recording with uh, Skalk Fenter about mental health and tech. Um, yeah. Yeah, like just stuff like that. It, it's super important because, again, this is everybody's favorite term, but imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah, um, it's real. And, you know, to know you've got other people out there who are struggling with it and going through the exact same thing. Yeah, it's it's good to have that support by your side. Yeah. How have you dealt with imposter syndrome? Um, I have... I've gone to my friends, I've gone to my family and I've gone to communities like ZA Tech and I said, hey, like, just, I've been, it's not an easy thing to do, um, but I've said, hey, like, have you ever felt this before in your life? Or um, what do you think about where my trajectory, my trajectory has gone, you know, like, um, having a gap year and then doing a higher certificate and then, you know, and then I remind myself, oh yeah, no, I, I've, I've got my first job at, at 21. I'm full time. And 
da da da, and you get someone out there like outside that's not in your dark little personal bubble like your head you know saying hey you did this and this is what you've accomplished and you're working with these people and da 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 and things you don't even think of um and they kind of just remind you yeah you are you are doing good you're not what your brain is currently saying to you right now you know you are more than capable um so yeah it's being vulnerable and asking people around me you know loved ones hey um can you just give me a bit of encouragement to tell me what's what you know yeah that's how i deal with it okay amazing yeah so um in terms of ai i wanted to touch on that a little bit because um you are one year into this this journey and um very early on and this this whole ai thing came in and i know for a lot of junior folks especially it's been scary because there's been a bunch of vocal very vocal people that has been essentially saying like junior level jobs are a thing of the past like ai is just gonna suck it all up and there's gonna be no need and so people are like oh my goodness it's hard enough to find your first job now if there isn't even a job available for me being a junior how am i ever gonna get to you know, something that resembles mid-level to get my first job. Yeah. Then, you know, it's always been yeah. the hardest thing where people had, like, if you looked at um, job posts, I think it's gotten better, mm. but it used to be this, like, laundry list of skills um, that you needed to have. And it would be, like, I think one of the funniest things was when React was, like, three years old or something, you would get job posts where they asked for five years React experience. And it's like... <laughs> That's impossible. The, the framework hasn't yes. even existed that yes. long. So, but, yeah. you know, but, but a lot of people don't know that. So they just look at it and they're like, oh, goodness, five years, holy. Um, and you now think that, well, at least I have something. And then somebody come in and say, well, that's not good enough anymore. There's a, there's a robot that's going to take your job from you. How, how has this impacted you, if at all? Um, and if it has impacted you, please share. And if it hasn't, or if you found a way to deal with that, what advice would you have to other people that is at your stage in their career and looking at all of this and saying, oh no, I don't know what I'm gonna do? For me, it hasn't impacted um, my job. It hasn't impacted me. Um, and I've never used ChatGPT or um, any AI uh, tools to, in my job. Um, I've never felt the need to, because uh, I also just don't feel very comfortable being reliant on a tool like that. Um, that's just probably just a personal thing. Um, but I think it's very easy to get swept up in the almost mass hysteria that can happen when something so um what's the word something so crazy like like chat gpt and ai and how fast it's been advancing you know this is unprecedented so people aren't used to it um we aren't comfortable with it and you know there's all these people these quite large tech voices or content creators or influencers or whatever you want to call them that are quite comfortable with themselves and 
they say things like, oh yeah, I know, like AI is going to take over junior jobs or even like intermediate things and you need to start stop fearing it and start to work with it if you want to keep up with the flow and you hear all these terms that like make you panic and then once you kind of dig deep into it and you really look at it and what's coming out of AI right now um it's it's still very impressive don't get me wrong but it will not match human intelligence and um context and empathy that's required for um, software development and web development. There will always be a human at the other end that is required to make things either personable or friendly or just work as it should for the end user, for the end customer, for other people. Um, So yeah, I would just say don't pay too much attention to those people who like to kind of induce panic Um, because there's a lot of people out there like that. Just stick to yourself, keep doing what you're doing, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Um, I've had mixed experience with it. Um, Sometimes in VS Code, it can get annoying where it's trying to be too helpful um, and I wish it would just sometimes just quiet down a little bit. And sometimes it's super useful. They, there's a lot of like repetitive things that we do in code oftentimes that it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's next, right? Because um, a lot of times when you create an object, for example, uh, and you and that it's an array of objects and each object has the same properties with similar values. Now, once you've defined one, it's kind of obvious what the next one and the next one and the next one's going to be, right? So I think in those cases, it's been a time saver. Um, <clears throat> what, I, what, I have, what I have to say for Junior specifically is the whole thing of this thing could be wrong, please be sure to double check. Heed that advice because don't just copy paste and and mm-hmm. assume that it's correct. You might think that mm-hmm. it is, run it, and it doesn't work, and now you're like, oh, and then you go back to the to the model and you say, Oh, I'm getting this error, and it's gonna be like, Oh yeah, sorry, um, I actually meant this, and you will use that and it'll break also. And then you're going to start getting very, very frustrated. I think um, there is a place. There's a place for it where it can be time saving and where it can be helpful. I've personally found, like with um, TypeScript errors, it's super useful at explaining what the heck the TypeScript engine is trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I had my fair share of those as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there, there, it's been really, really helpful. Um, and sometimes just being able to show you an example. And if you understand the code, you can kind of look at it and say, oh, that's not exactly what I wanted, but yeah, I forgot about I can do that, right? And then you go and you do your own thing. I think for me, and I and I think this is this is like even broader than code, it gets you past the blank page. I think that's where it's been most mm-hmm. helpful to me. It's like if you sit and stare at a blank page, it's very intimidating. Like what is the first word going to be? If you kind of have an idea of where you're going and you can kind of say, okay, let me just start something here and then let it kind of finish it for me. And then you look at it and you're like, 
not exactly what I wanted, but close. And then you start, and now you're getting mm, into the mm. flow. And once you hit the flow, it's like, oh, yes, yeah. get out of my way. I got this. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think that that's been helpful. Um, and generally, if you just have general questions about, I think in general, common errors, it's pretty good at telling you why you're seeing that error. So I think in those cases, it's been helpful to me. But um, taking people's jobs, no, I don't think so. And um, this whole thing where people is like, look, I drew something on a napkin, took a photo, and look, it's a whole website. It's like, wait until they try resize the browser or they switch on a screen reader, then everything falls apart. So, <laughs> yep. Know, be a little, yeah. Be, be skeptical when things, they, it be, the old saying still applies. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like um, what you said now, like, like, oh, they just try resizing the screen or changing the font size or using a screen reader. It, it, it's it's very pretty front. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, three kids in a trench coat trying to be an adult or something. You know, it, it's 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 it might get a pass. But if you look any closer, you'll notice, oh, like there's so many things wrong or it's against um good practices or it's not accessible just the list goes on um and what do you need to fix that a human needs to fix that still in the end so yeah it's 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 still a long ways for it to go yeah but i I do think it's important to be aware of it and to you know play around with it and i think the thing that you said is like not to be scared of it don't look at it as like I'm too scared to play with this because I'm scared it's too good and I'm going to even get more depressed about it because I'm going to be like, oh, it looks like they're, they're correct. This thing is, I think it, it's like play with it so you understand what it can do and can't do. And then where it yes. can be helpful, use it. And where it gets in your way, just press escape and it'll go away. Um, yes. I think I think that, that that's the important part there. Um, one one interesting thing that that somebody else uh, mentioned on the podcast is is this fear of asking a stupid question. It's this fear of sounding like you don't know what you're doing, and I think that is something that just so people know, this doesn't go away. Um, it, it it follows you everywhere because you're always new at something, or there's always somebody better than you. Um, but it's it's a real fear you know i think especially in a in a in a market where um the job market is so in flux like right now you know people are, yes, are scared yeah. of losing their job and so they're afraid of asking a question and people be like you don't know that that's mm. a little concerning mm. so in those circumstances people actually do use these bots because they feel less judged by asking a question yes. that speaks yes. to the culture of the company of course, mm. if if you don't mm. feel that you can ask a question and not be mm. judged for asking it. Mm. But, you know, maybe you're in a situation like that. And maybe this could be the thing that helps you stay sane a little bit more instead of sitting and thinking, I don't know what to do here and I don't know who to ask. I'm too scared. Maybe the bot can be that impartial, friendly co co-programmer who just says, like, yeah, I got let me see. I think I can figure this out and help you along the way a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I was thinking about it earlier, actually. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want to seem, you know, stupid in front of your boss or you want to you don't want to seem like you don't have enough skill or 
yeah, and then you got a chat GPT or whatever, and there's your fix, you know, quote unquote, um, and it's a weight off your shoulders. Even if it doesn't work, um, you know, you still got something to put down and see if you can tweak it a bit. And then maybe it's a stepping stone to talking to your senior coworker and asking for help. Yeah, no, I agree fully with you. Yeah. What gets you excited about programming and about front-end dev? It could be specific technologies. It could be specific aspects of the job. It doesn't matter what. Like if you think about you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, I can't wait to complete the sentence. Hmm. Listen, I've always loved front-end dev and it just feels nice, like comes naturally to me. Um, I would say putting ideas into a visual format, interactive visual format, um, you know, people ask, because it's one of the first few steps in the process, um, you know, for a project. Um, you ask, hey, I want this to happen. I've got this idea. I've got this plan in mind. And then front-end dev takes it from just flat um, pages on a sheet or Figma or whatever to, you know, like a full working site. I just love getting to bridge that gap between design to interactive. Um, but one thing that I've been really into lately is uh, 3D on the web and 3JS. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's quite intense. It's very complex and I'm so, um, I'm barely at the beginner stage, but yeah, that's very exciting for me. I love getting to do that stuff. Yeah. Have you played around with green sock? Um, no, not well seen but one video about it but I haven't played around with it now I, I would I would encourage you to play around with that it, it's an incredible mm. tool um, 3JS is great but 3JS is kind of low level which is cool like it's nice to know that stuff but if you want to get something going real quick to get you into that like oh this is cool and then you want to dig deeper like green socks awesome for that because it will get you quickly to an actual like interactive 3D thing and then you can say like now I want to know how this puzzle works and then you can un Mm. Uh, you can like take it apart from there. And of course, with Greensock, you can go deep if you want, but um, it does give you a lot of nice primitives um, to start off with. Um, but yeah, going from 2D to 3D, uh, it always reminds me from when I started, I had a lot of flash stuff. And um, then at some point, it became pretty popular to do these like immersive intros for websites. Like before you go into the site, there was this whole intro that played with like motion and music and all kinds of stuff. And it got quite popular to do like 3D kind of things. And the application you would use is called Swift 3D. And I thought like, ah, hey, cool, I'm going to buy Swift 3D. That's going to be awesome. I mean, it's just adding an additional axis, right? It's not, not, not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to mm. go back from building like stuff with clients and flash to like, okay, now I just want to get this ball to roll across the screen and not look weird. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just because yes. it added the additional yeah. access. 
yeah, yeah. It's a whole different, you're like, oh, right. Now there's like, you can add physics to this or like, it, yeah, it's a step. It's a big step. Yeah. Mm. It's a massive step, but it, it's super interesting. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting, but it, there's so much. I think you mentioned that at the beginning where the tech industry is so broad. And even when you narrow yourself down to front end, like right there, there's so much. I mean, there's some people who literally, all they do is infographics and data visualization. That's all they mm, do mm. because that in itself is a massive subject. Like, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I attended a two day workshop from this dude. That's just Edward Tufty. Uh, he's like a savant in the whole uh, data visualization stuff. And I mean, it's a super intense, deep, deep, subject like you could lose yourself in that like how do i take something how do i take this arbitrary data and present it in a way that's consumable just by somebody looking at it how do i take a foreign concept and visualize it in a manner that somebody could look at it and say oh i get it now i see why mm -hmm. global warming is a problem because look at this line and where it used to be and where it's mm -hmm. now oh my goodness so you know and that's just a very small subset of of what you would could call front-end development mm. yeah yeah like um like you said there's there's dataverse and i'm glad that there are experts in dataverse and charts and stuff because some of the stuff i've worked on charts have been some of the biggest yeah pain in the necks um spent like get to that point where you're like running your fingers like your hands over your face like oh i just don't get it or um, and that's when you have to take a step back and, or maybe just ask ChatGPT or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's Dataverse, there's 3D, there's, um, people who focus, um, on animations and stuff on the web as well. That's also like quite tricky. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of stuff you can do, um, with front-end dev and, I guess that's also another part of why I like front-end dev so much is because it's just part of this whole bigger ecosystem of the internet and the web and multimedia on the web. And, you know, it's just so interactive and it's satisfying to see all this stuff go through the web. And yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty clear. <laughs> I'm glad you found something that you enjoy. Um, but there's also the other side of it. Like, if you think about your career and where you are at now, where do you, where are the, what's the missing parts? Where do you know this is not a, a imposter syndrome thing? I know I'm not great at this and I want to get better. And again, because of the complexity of, of the industry and careers in general, this doesn't have to be code, by the way. Mm. I would say for me, at the current moment, my strong suit isn't JavaScript or more, you know, backend heavy things or programming. I'm, I love CSS and HTML and all of that. But when it comes to like functions or a bit more uh, complex things, I'm, it, it doesn't come as naturally to me as HTML and CSS. And that's um, one thing I'm kind of worried about because the, 
landscape of the web right now is quite framework heavy and frameworks many frameworks are quite javascript dependent so yeah that's that's where i'm worrying um a bit but again that's why community is so great and having a good company is so great because i've mentioned that to my uh coworkers and my company and i've said hey um I'm looking for ways to get some learning experience and practical experience in these areas that I think I'm weak in. And they have said, okay, cool. Well, there's this new project that we are um, going to start working on soon. Um, would you want to have a part in that? And it's there's quite a bit of JavaScript here. And I say, yes, please. And there you go. It's like I've got a company... Um, that's helping me with resources and I've got coworkers and a community that I could talk to about um, things I'm not super comfortable with and I'm able to work on areas that I think, yeah, aren't as good as maybe the rest of my skills um, I'm quite shy about, you know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, JavaScript <laughs> in general. Mm. You know, it's 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 a good place to be if you're able to identify where you're weak at, um, and being able to admit it. I think for a lot of people, first of all, identifying what their weak points are is hard, and then admitting that that it's not. Even rephrasing it as it's not my strongest skill. That you know you're mm. trying to to blow it up a little bit more. You don't want to use the word I'm, mm. "I suck at this." Let's just be honest. <laughs> I yeah, suck at yeah. this. Like you know, yeah. sometimes it's it's okay to just own it and just say. I mean, mm. I, I worked with somebody at Mozilla um, who, for the longest time, like he's incredible at HTML and CSS, and he hated JavaScript. And when this whole framework thing started, he was like, "I'm going to be out of a job." Because I'm not, I suck at JavaScript. And I was like, holy yeah. crap, dude, being able to say that is amazing. <laughs> like, that, that is a good place to be. Because now you can do something mm. about it. Like you, you just say it, you mm. suck at it. Nobody has any expectations. You can just say, yeah. I'm going to try this thing. I'm probably going to mess it up. That's cool. I'm mm. going to learn. Yeah. And at the same time, it sounds like you found a really great place to grow mm. as a developer because it sounds like they have your back and they have your best interest in mind and it's in in all honesty it's the right way to do it because it's in their benefit also in the end of the day because if you grow and your skill set grows hey guess what they have a javascript developer now that they don't have to go hire they don't have to onboard they don't have to explain the business to you already know all that stuff you just can do JavaScript now too. So it's in their benefit, but it's still amazing when companies do that though. I've been quite blessed or lucky with uh, my current company. It's it's a great environment because they've given me resources to learn and practical projects to work on. And um, they are very, you know, open. And they say communication is good because it's bad for both sides, both for the business and for you as well. Because I mean, if you if you either lie about your strength in the skill and you're not actually very good at it, it creates um, 
something like a domino effect because the longer you keep going with it the business is trusting you to be good at this and develop things that are good and not hastily like parched together and you know, fingers crossed toes crossed is it gonna work um and then something eventually down the line it's gonna break or someone's gonna find out and now they have wasted money and time and you've also um broken trust as well so i think even though it's very hard i think it's best to just be honest and vulnerable and say yeah it's not my strong suit um but i'm working on it that's also another important thing um to say that i'm working on it i'm trying i'm not just going to sit here and let it fester i'm working on it yeah mm. yeah it's a great attitude well kate it was amazing to finally meet you um even if it's over video maybe one day i'll be in cape town and we can meet for reals um but until then what if you look into the future and you dream a little bit where do you see yourself i don't know if you want to use years in the future but just where do you hope to go with all of this tech and programming stuff I think I won't call this a pipe dream because nothing's impossible, but um, I want to be able to travel around the world while impacting um, LGBT communities and female developers um, with the work I do, making a proper big difference with what I do and not just being someone who works to make companies richer I want to make people's lives richer. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say. That's an amazing place to end it. Well, thanks so much, Kate. This has been really great. I, I can't wait to share this with everybody. Um, wish you all of the greatest success and um, I look forward to seeing what you, what you build and what you do. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you for listening to the Mycelium Network Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Have something to add? Continue the conversation on GitHub and join the community on Slack. Until the next one, keep making the web awesome. Don't